0: Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone and I've been using it just kinda scout some things out, get get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your 20-buck rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code, enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. of the sleeper in the bust. it is wednesday may 18th i'm your host paul spore joined by eno saris eno it didn't go so well on the basketball court today how you doing
1: ah uh, it's so bad i let it i let it i'm like not the kind of guy who can separate that from other stuff so like driving home i'm like oh god i make half as much money as i used to i'm fucking you, know, like,
0: <laughs> you just, just start letting it cascade into everything
1: Everything. i'm so tired i'm so old and fat (laughs) (laughs) sam dyson called me weird
0: he did you're his biggest proponent how dare he
1: i know i wanted to tell him that uh but no i asked him about um his grip on how did he get so much sink on that sinker and uh and he was like uh you know i tug my thumb under i was like well can i take a picture of that he goes no that's weird man he goes, I'm going to work out,
0: and just left. <laughs> Players are weird, man. You, you, you're,
1: well, apparently you're, he's a, he's a bit gruff.
0: You're doing the Lord's work, man. I,
1: <laughs> I I've
0: been saying it ever since you posted the piece about the Royals clubhouse. <laughs> I couldn't do it, and I appreciate that you do it, and and you get the uh, you get the good stuff, and you know sometimes you got to deal. That's what we don't see, you know. You, you write the pieces when it goes well, and we get all the goods. But people don't always yeah. know the dirty side of it, the ugly side of it of, of, you know, I don't know if you're embarrassed, but like, you know, being being kind of made fun of or whatever.
1: No, no it hasn't been. It hasn't been. It has been the greatest week overall, just to sleep stuff with the babies and they're sick and all that stuff. But also um, talking to Nomar Mazzara and, you know, tried to sneak in a little Rouge door stuff and uh, no dice. Uh, I mentioned that O'Dor was. I said, "Isn't O'Dor also from the Dominican?" And Mazzara was like, "He's from Venezuela." And I was like, "Oh God, oh. you hate me
0: now." Oh God, <laughs> you think you think I'm a white guy who thinks you guys are all from the same place? I, and I
1: was like, "How did I?" I was like, "All right, man, I'll see you." And I just sort of hung my head and walked away.
0: <laughs> That's all right. You know what? Everyone has bad weeks. We're, we're in the game of failure, um, baseball, of course, and so. It, it happens. It happens. This is going to be a a, a hitting plentiful episode today. Took it, taking a few more listener requests that you guys have, but then we're also going to dive into your big piece today. Uh, the change was about grounders. You called it Grounder Day. You recommended a beer that had the word ground in it. Um, I didn't. What was that food that you linked to? That looked disgusting, by the way.
1: It was like some sort of ground beef with cheese in it, yeah, and it, it was pretty gross. I, I
0: figured it was ground beef because of, of the, the theme that you were going with there, uh, yeah. but it looked not good. Looks, uh, so we're going to talk about some of the guys there that you saw, guys who are dropping their ground ball rates, which is leading to some success. Others who are adding, which obviously isn't always uh, the best remedy for success or the best case for success, unless you're a speedster or something like that. But let's, ju- let's just dive into the grab bag, guys, because uh, I've been enjoying doing this, taking your requests on Twitter, guys that you just want to hear us talk about. Uh, this one's actually from me. I I tweeted myself this one because I just wanted to get your thoughts on him because I'm intrigued by him and I'll admit that part of it is just the fact that he has uh, an athlete brother and you know He's got that whole uh, their father was an athlete. I believe their mother was as well I'm talking about Trace Thompson and he's just kind of an intriguing guy because he's been doing so well lately and I I Watch a lot of West Coast baseball because um, I I get a chance to kind of flip around after that I stay pretty focused in on my Tigers in the early evening and usually I'm, I'm doing work during that as well getting ready for the next day. But then right around 9 central is when I kind of, boom, get away from the computer, iPad and TV and PlayStation. I really start kind of getting into the games. And so I see a lot more. With the west coast I have a west coast bias Not the east coast bias And so I've been watching uh, Trace Thompson drop bombs And you know He had a nice little debut Last year too Only 44 games 135 plate appearances But popped 5 homers uh, 16 extra base hits All told Out of his 36 295 average 896 OPS So far this year He's even beating that 81 game Or excuse me 81 plate appearances I don't know how he he would play Half a season in 2 months Uh, But 81 plate appearances 6 homers already 971 OPS. So we're seeing this punch from him. Really athletic guy. Interesting uh, situation there in LA, though, because playing time is not always that plentiful to him. And it could be because you know somebody like a, a Yasiel Puig is kind of blocking him based on what he makes. Howie Kendrick has been out there in the outfield. They've been using him as a utility guy. I almost think at this point, Trace Thompson needs to be inked into the lineup every day now not just penciled in i think they need to kind of put him in and and see what they've got out of this 25 year old what do you know trace thompson and, and what what do you think his fantasy outlook is going forward is this someone we need to have in mixed leagues
1: you know my initial reaction is no because he's a right hander who i thought was brought to basically platoon with maybe trace thompson i'm oh, no, sorry that is trace thompson <laughs> Uh, to platoon with Jock Peterson it's yes. continuing oh no my son no um so uh, I thought he was gonna be the right- hand to compliment to Jock Peterson who you know they've been they have been platooning uh the two of them but he's also been sneaking in at bats at left field over Carl Crawford mm-hmm. and you know Carl Crawford is 34 years old
0: he, so he done
1: yeah and right. you know as much as I think that yeah, I think so. I think he's done because he didn't even, he didn't, I don't think he made the threshold to uh, get into my ground ball piece. But right now, he's hitting more grounders than he has, except for one year in his career. And it was the year he was hurt with the Red Sox yeah. uh, last year. So, like, either he's hurt or he's terrible. I mean, either way, it's not good. Uh, you can't really expect him even to put up league average uh, power um, because of the uh, ground ball rate he's showing right now. And uh, he doesn't walk. So all you're asking, all your value from him comes from defense and putting the ball in play. And he hasn't been above above he's, – he's been above scratch as a defender one time in the last five years. So,
0: and, and not only that with Carl Crawford, but like when he does get the loft, some loft on the ball, it's, uh, it's pop-ups. He, his, yeah. he has a 13% infield fly ball rate. Um,
1: that used to be a strength of his. So. Exactly. Yeah, I think in, in all sorts of ways. I mean, everything's Oppo, but, you know, and, and Oppo ground balls, you know, okay. Oppo ground balls are okay. So maybe he could have, uh, you know, he has a, had a plus BABIP over his career. Maybe he could get that back up over 300.
0: But not even if he's with hurt.
1: three. Yeah, right. And not if he's like he's 0 for 1 on stolen bases. He just, everything looks like, you know, the legs are going again. So. Uh, you know Andre Ethier makes things interesting. Like you know, I wouldn't drop an established player for him. Like even even Prince. as much as Prince Fielder is like having some troubles, I won't I wouldn't drop like a Prince Fielder for Trace Thompson because mm-hmm. uh, Prince Fielder has a job all year. Sure. Let me give and, you some
0: other names then. And yeah. and, and, and we'll and we'll do our, our favorite thing where we test it out here. What about um, somebody like a Jacoby Ellsbury? Hmm.
1: Well, you know, you've got sort of age and injury concerns there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's,
0: he's, he's been a top fifty outfielder by the uh, by the player Raider at ESPN that I like to look at as kind of a quick quick assessment of things. He's, but he's at the he's at the very low end of it. He's um, I would
1: I wouldn't. 46. I mean, he's nine of twelve on stolen bases.
0: You, you said know, you wouldn't then.
1: I wouldn't because okay. I think that he can still make it to you know if he's nine of twelve at stolen bases at this point. Um, I think he can probably still make it to, like, like 30 stolen bases from total for a year. Fair. That's fair. You know, and, you know, if he's got 30 stolen bases and even, like, 5 to 10 homers, then he's. I think he's going to be worth it. The, the question, though, with Trace becomes, as you start to give me worse names, maybe, is, you know, the, the contact rate and strikeout rate. The strikeout rate looks like what we would expect from him, 24 and a half, you know, 25. That's sort of what he did in the minor leagues, but the contact rate, he has an 8.6% swing strike rate. So, there's a chance that Those you know, come down. Either stays because all the projection systems say he's actually going to strike out more and have like a 230 type batting average. But let's say he, you know, actually you know, improves the strikeout rate or even holds it at 23, 24. Um, and then the, let's say his power is more 200 ISO instead of the sort of 170 180 that the projections are giving him. Wait,
0: you mean the 300's not going to hold for Trace Thompson? <laughs> no, no, <that's,
1: laughs> but, uh, yeah, so if, if he's more like a 210 guy like he was last year, then I think he could hit like 250 260. So let's say, you know, the cocktail napkin thing again, it's a uh, 260 batting average. Um, Zips gives him 400 plate appearances, so let's let's just be really optimistic and do that. Let's say 260 with you know 15, 16, 17 homers. He's not really stealing like he was in the minors, so. Zips,
0: oh, is, stolen bases. Zips is really positive on, on Trace Thompson right now. They're giving him 14 more homers from here on out to pop a, a total of 20, and they're giving him eight stolen bases. But to your point, hasn't really run in the majors. We've, we've, we've hammered this point home uh, to death that a lot of times with these speed guys – unless they're just kind of the elite top of the line burners, it might take them a while to kind of get their foot and get used to it and, and then start to run. So maybe a, maybe a second half running situation when Trace Thompson does start to get maybe, and this is, this is speculation. So you can tell me if you think it's total BS, is there any idea or any, any, uh, basis to this it, would you think that maybe a guy who doesn't have regular playing time might yeah. be reluctant to steal because he doesn't want to run into outs and and curb some of that sure. playing time
1: for sure <clears throat> for sure <clears throat> it's like one of those things that you'll hear an announcer say that you know some people might laugh off but i would totally i think that's totally in their heads i mean these guys are playing for their jobs they're not going to take any risks
0: like that exactly and,
1: you know, I think things could change if he was ever sort of named a starter. Or, and that's the kind of thing that's going to start happening soon. I mean, I don't know if it has already. I don't follow the beat, head, beat writers enough. But, um, you know, if I, I think that probably sometime soon someone's going to say, you know, is Trace Thompson your starting left fielder.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. And if they say yes.
1: I think he'll hear about it. I think he'll hear that. And, you know, even a beat writer might say, did you hear, you know, your manager said, you know that'll start to filter into maybe you know some more attempts and stuff it just feel a little bit more confident about about getting out there every day so a couple
0: more names then
1: um,
0: um, Kevin Pillar, a guy I liked coming into the year had a really interesting season last year uh, when you know kind of an accumulation season but some decent skills a little bit of pop nice bunch of speed that lineup helped him get some uh, counting categories even though he batted low. This year it hasn't been quite as good, but I think um, and I am trying to look up the numbers right now, I think he's actually getting back on track in May. Actually no, same same kind of OPS. So he hasn't really been good. Six ninety OPS in April, six eighty six so far in May. That lineup isn't producing the way it was last year, so again those county numbers aren't quite as high for Kevin Pillar. Would you would you make that move? Drop Kevin Pillar, pick up Trace Thompson.
1: That's a little bit of a you know different skill sets.
0: Um, but yeah, there if you don't have the speed need, because then uh, again, Pilar is four for five right now so far this year. So he is still running and you probably are still going to get that if, speed and his defense keeps him in the lineup.
1: Yeah, but if you're like he's he's already lost uh, the, the leadoff spot against lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't a lot in his line that says that more is coming. I mean, he's basically at his career, his career level at ISO in ISO. In terms of isolated power, uh, he's never been a good walker, you know, and, and he isn't now. His contact rate has gotten better, but his strikeout rate's about the same as it's ever been. His his BABIP's about the same as it ever been. His batted ball mix about the same as it ever been. I mean, this is who he is. So, I think he's a highly projectable guy. We're talking about a 27 year old uh, with a long track record and, and a decent amount of played, uh, major league plate appearances, doing exactly what he's done in the past. So, mm-hmm. I think we can believe the projections. 270, uh, you know, 7-8 homers, another 15 stolen bases. If you add that up, I think it's actually an inferior package to the sort of, I mean, I don't want to say pie-in-the-sky rosy glasses that we put on for, for Trace, but if you're chasing upside, I mean, if it's like a 12-team league or even a 15-team league where you're kind of lagging on the standings and, you know, you, you could you could use the 10 more homers a little bit more and you could use 10 more stolen bases. You know, I don't think that there's a lot better coming for Pilar. I, mean, I think this is who he is.
0: I think I agree. And again, Pilar was somebody I did like coming into this year. I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more. But I think you're right. That's actually probably going to be a little bit more of the same from last year. And, and it could be less volume-wise just because of where that offense is going. So I would make that move. Uh, let me find one more here for you. Um, what about... Uh, You know, I'm not going to say Puig. I mean, he's much lower on the ratings, but I don't think either of us are ready to do that, right? I mean, I'm not.
1: No, 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 for sure. But Trace is on fire, dude. Last three weeks uh, has averaged 95 miles an hour better on exit velocity.
0: He, he's crushing. I mean, th- these homers, these are no joke. And I yeah. think he has this perception as a speed guy. He, hit, he does have some speed, but this is a really athletic. He's got a great uh, great build, you know, 6'3, 210. That's kind of like an ideal build of a guy who can be power and speed. So I've been really kind of falling for Trace Thompson here these, these last couple of weeks. And so that's why I'm really interested in him. What about this next? One. This one, this one's going to test you because, or maybe not. Maybe you're going to say, "No way, dude! I drafted this guy way too high." Um, I don't know that I'm. I, I'm going to bring up this name. I'm not saying cut this guy. I'm saying, would you maybe try to move this guy to try to get something and then put Trace Thompson in your line I'm going to say Charlie Blackman because you can't cut him. I don't think he's only played 25 games. He had some time missed, and he's not performing poorly. But would you again try to maybe sell him? get something else because you're not thinking that he's going to steal another 43 bases this year and, and hit 15 to 20 homers. Well, he's never hit 20. He's at 19. But hit, hit those mid-teens homers. Would you try to move Charlie Blackman because you have Trace Thompson that you can put back in your roster? Is that something that you would entertain?
1: Yeah, that's too much for me. I, I hate to be sort of a contact rate strikeout fascist. but I think uh, it's fair
0: to do that, though. that's, a, that's I, I mean, Those are the skills that, that drive success, that, when, especially when you're talking about small samples.
1: And, and also batting average. I mean, you know, the one thing that separates us from the real-life game is that we have to really care, care about batting average. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, I think it's even relevant for on-base for percentage, but but uh, it's especially relevant for batting average. And, and Charlie Blackman is one of the safest batting averages in baseball. And it might be a little bit because of his home park, and somebody might be yelling his his road split right now at the radio. Uh, why are you listening to us on the radio? That's weird. <laughs> but, um, nice but uh you, you play the guy all year long and you get a 290 batting average is what you get so and I don't think that uh, you know the Rockies are gonna trade him anytime
0: soon so I agree with that okay that, that that's fair like I said not would never suggest cut um, just a situation where you know maybe move him and, and and plug Thompson in but quick quick tangent yes
1: I would bet against anybody being moved and now yes some people are gonna get moved so you're gonna lose but you're going to lose less often than assuming a guy's going to get traded. Because I had someone ask me, you know, should I take this deal? It was a sweetheart deal. Oh, my God. He, somebody offered him in an NL only, Brandon Drury and um, Ryu and Ruby, Ruby De La Rosa. Uh, it, it's weird rules, but basically all three players. Uh, for Granky and Votto. So he would get Granky and Votto and trade away Drury and, and Ruby De La Rosa and, 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 and Hinjin Ryu. What the heck? And I was like, well, if that was it, blah, blah, blah. and he's like, but Joey Votto might get traded. I'm like, who cares? Yeah, Right, dude. Who's, first of all, who's trading for Joey Votto? Yep. Who needs, who needs a first baseman? A- only name I could come up with of a team that needs a first baseman that has money and is competitive and might do this is the Mariners. And I mean, yes. Okay. He's an NL only. He might lose Joey Votto in that case. He still has Granky in that situation. And also, I doubt that's like one situation. It's one out of thirty. Plus, they have to stay in the division all the way to the, the all the way to the uh you know to the trade deadline, and then they have to get ownership to sign off on taking on that contract. Another
0: deal that big with yeah. you know with Canoes there, and granted Cano's killing it, so they're not feeling that burn on yeah, But there's much, a lot
1: but... of deals there already. I mean, you, the Reds would have to eat a lot of it. Yep. And then do the do they even have the prospects to pull it off if they don't give up like a Walker or you know, like, what are they going to what are they going to give the Reds? I mean, I, DJ I Peterson is nothing at this point. I mean, they, they're their cover is pretty dry. So
0: I think you make a great point that the fantasy community worries too much about guys who might get moved and, and puts way too much stock into it. First off, and I play in one, so I'm not throwing stones at anybody else. But SOL leagues, you know, crap out of luck. If your guy gets traded out of the league, you lose him. Those that's dumb. That oh, That should not be a that. thing. That yeah. really should not be a thing. That is adding more volatility and more luck into the game that is unnecessary. There's, there's just no right, reason on to have draft
1: happen. day, you're going to be able to project teams better than anybody else. And <laughs> how hard projecting teams is. So you're going to, on draft day, not only project the players, but project the teams, know who's going to be in contention yep. at the deadline, and who's going to have the resources and the ownership and the GM and the GM's uh, partnerships to pull off a trade that that you know better than everybody else. I mean, the Pedro Alvarez, you know, drafting Pedro Alvarez in AL only league that was not as that's not, not what we're really necessarily talking about. That was a guy who was a free agent who had AL skills, who you know was going to go to an AL team probably. Exactly. We're, we're talking about you know somehow not drafting you know a guy an AL guy who gets traded out because you knew it was only going to be half a season. No, you didn't.
0: No, it, 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 there's <laughs> just no way to do it, and and so it shouldn't be a situation where we where we you're asking people to try to speculate on that. So I'm with you. Don't first off, if your league does that, put it up for a vote. Try to get that taken off the table. That that that's that's no good. But yeah, you, that guy has to do that deal, that buy low on Grinky and Votto. By the way, did you get a chance to watch Grinky last night? Before we get to these other other hitters here, I know we said it's a all hitters episode, but he pitched pretty well last night. Did you get, Did you see any of it?
1: No, I did not, and uh, I was just happy for him uh you know box score scouting because it was a a home game, and you know it looked like the slider must have been better for him it, I was it, a little yeah
0: I was gonna say it matched the box score pretty well obviously he gave up the the the, the couple runs were charged to him from from the um, eighth inning. But it was a situation where I thought that he looked sharp, and, and I'm I'm a noted not not in on Grinky this year as a full on ace, and uh, so I've been kind of keeping an eye on him just to see what's going on. And Daniel Hudson, I believe, came in and, and gave up those runs after you know he allowed two two singles. Honestly, probably shouldn't have come back out, but he had so few pitches that I understood. I mean, I shouldn't say probably shouldn't have come back out, but they they could have made a case. To not even though it would have been like 93 pitches I think that he would have had and so you know he's automatically coming back out I get it but I I don't know maybe play a little bit of the of the psychology thing where hey we're gonna get you out with six scoreless even though you have so few pitches but. Honestly, what they maybe should have done if they were going to bring him back out is let him keep going then because he still only Grinky only ended up with 99 pitches. Maybe let him try to work out of that jam. I don't know. That, that That's a tough scenario there because, like I said, too few pitches probably to say you're done after seven. Uh, I said six earlier uh, to say you're done after seven, given who Grinky is. But I think they could have done it and gotten away with it. Say, we're going to give you seven strong here. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll we'll cap it off for you with a five-zero lead, but or five-one lead, I believe it was. But those last two runs were charged. So Grinky pitched well. Um, maybe he gets on a roll here. We'll see. Last four starts, not too bad. Uh, actually, three really good ones. I, I would say, you know, super quality starts. All of them beat the baseline uh, of a quality start. And then the other was was not too bad. Six innings, four runs against the the and, um, Giants.
1: And most importantly, three straight. I would say good games at home. Yes. I mean, you know, the Giants game wasn't great, but good enough. And uh, and that the only worry for me, and he didn't have that same worry when I talked to him, was that you know uh, when I talk to other pitchers, they hate pitching in Arizona because it's so dry, can't get a good grip on their breaking ball. They don't th- they think that their breaking ball is not as crisp in Arizona. But you know, oh, the thing that's the thing that's so great about Granky. Dude has a lot of weapons, man. I mean, the slider at this point, it used to be his best pitch. It's probably his third best pitch. So, you know, if it doesn't work out with him on the slider, he just throws more change-ups, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get, brings the curve back in. Um, there's there's so many different things that he's got, and he's got command of everything. So, uh, and look at that. He's actually throwing more, more curveballs, uh, you know, in this part of the season than he did in the first three starts. Yeah, so
0: right, right to your point, um, that he doesn't and, have to lean on that slider as much.
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, I think he'll be fine. He's one of the aces that I worry the least about. And, um, and so, yeah, back to the hitters. Next, back, was, back to
0: the hitters. This I think one, you were
1: on this next guy. I think you were on him from the get go.
0: This is, this is one of my dudes. I'm enjoying it so far. I still think we could see even a little bit more from Jonathan scope, but there's no way I'm going to complain about seven home runs and a 260 average right now that is putting him on, uh, on a pace that I can completely live with. The one thing that I thought for like a super breakout, I still thought maybe he could improve the walk rate and and cut the strikeout rate even more, but I don't want to be greedy. He's cut the strikeout rate by four percentage points down to 20, 21, 26 and a half. Um, the, The walk rates even up a little bit, but not, not, measurably so like uh four percent that's still bad but it was three percent is his career so it is at least up for jonathan scope but the power is really what we're focused in on here and it's no joke and i i saw that last year just the only thing that derailed this guy last year was a takeout slide and i think it was by pablo sandoval that cost him basically half the season or else he might have been chasing down 30 homers and he wouldn't have been so cheap this year so you know in a way Not that I'm glad he got injured, but thank you, Pablo, because that made Jonathan Scope much cheaper. Seven homers. That team is obviously clubbing the ball around the yard. I'd like to see a better OBP for sure. 287 is low. But for what you drafted here, 260 and a chase for 30 was kind of what I was thinking as as a high end. And 260 right now, 31 homer pace. Granted, might not keep the pace, but even if you only get 25 out of a second baseman that you got in a double-digit round, sign me up for that. And and he's also actually, um, you know, kind of pacing toward about 90, almost 100 RBIs too. And granted, paces are dangerous it's still this early in the season. With that lineup, I don't know that they're completely out of bounds to do. So I really like Jonathan Scope, love this power stroke, love that he's at least... Showing improvements with the with the swing and miss and I still think there's actually another level It might not come till next year in terms of like cutting the strikeout rate to 16 17 percent upping the walk rate to You know six to eight percent something like that where he could have a a Sustainable 280 batting average with the power, but again, I don't want to get greedy. I love what we got going here with Jonathan scope He's a power beast at second base. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think he can do I'm not sure there's much more because He's done a couple things that I really wanted him to do. Um, you know, fellow Kurosawian.
0: <laughs> sure I think that. Know. I mean, I, that's the that's what I'm I would say. Sure, I'm sure that was perfect.
1: Uh, fellow Kurosawian. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like Kurosawa, Curis- the uh, the Japanese director. Anyway. Curacao,
0: um, yes, exactly. It really does.
1: Fellow, <laughs> fellow Anderson Simmons always had the pop up problem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 Scope had that problem the first couple of years, and he's really cut that.
0: Almost so he, half.
1: yeah, he's really by by cutting and he it has cut his fly balls a little bit, but he cut his fly ball and his infield fly ball rate, so he really cut his pop up rate, and that's that's really good news for his batting average on balls in play. He did his first year in 2014, he had a .249 BABIP, and I I was a little worried that that. You know, if you look at Simmons, his BABIPs have been low because he's had that same issue.
0: Despite the heavy con, he's a he's an interesting guy, Angelton Simmons is because despite the heavy contact, he hasn't had good BABIPs because contact alone won't get you a quality BABIP if you're not there is bad good contact. contact. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And he has a lot so, of bad contact.
1: You know, Scope is a exit velocity darling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, real nice exit velocity, not real great plate discipline, not a good OVP. Guy, I don't think it's coming. I don't think it's coming. I know there were some better walk rates in the minors, but we, we have almost a thousand plate appearances in the major leagues. His walk rate is 2.9%. I just, I don't think it's coming. But there are a lot of different ways to be valuable. I don't. I'm not going to hate on this one too much. I think that maybe on the end of his career it'll get ugly. Uh, but we've got five more years of good Jonathan Scope. I think batting average from 260 to 280. Uh, maybe one year he hits 30, 30 bombs, uh, but uh, most years I think he settles in around you know twenty five, and uh, at second base that's real nice. It's kind of a Dan Uggla without the walks, yep, uh, but way better defense. Uh, well, you know the defensive metrics aren't that great on it, but I, I, I my sense of him is that he's a good defender. So it,
0: the eye test tells yeah. me yes when I watch him. Um, I like that Baltimore infield, and I really like that Keystone combo when Machado's at at short. And so yeah, I, I I'm with you there. Obviously the metrics are are say what they say, but. When I watch him, I certainly don't think, oh, bad defender. And I haven't really heard any reputation like that outside of the metrics. So, you know, maybe this is one where metrics aren't quite fully gathering what Jonathan Scope does. So you always have to be careful with the defensive metrics. We do know that for certain. Uh, by the way, I think we're really good about, you know, taking our heat when we miss. So I'm also not averse to back padding a little bit. I just want to say that since we recommended Chris with a K Davis on May 2nd, By the way, that night he hit two bombs. But since then, um, he's hit nine home runs, which would be a full season pace of 108 homers. And so (laughs) I I think he's going to do it.
1: I think I I remember saying this is a guy who could hit 108 homers.
0: You said exactly that. And the fact that you said that number and that's now his pace – I just want to say that we're pretty good at, at doing this, you know, because I, I said, listen, again, I will take my heat where where it's there's a I said 102, so you had the higher number and you, you were just better. Now the dude is uh, out of his mind. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it, it, he's a streaky guy, so you know it's, it will come uh, back. Yeah, it's going to come back. But the nice thing about it was at all points. I think just to recap what we said was that he, you know, he has the sound, he has the fury. He has the, the exit velocity. He has the great launch angle. He you know he has everything you need for great power. And the only thing that's missing, and it is something that becomes stable quickly. Is you know we hear about that, but I think it's also something that you you can change fairly quickly. So that's a, it's an interesting um sort of thing there. That, that yes, he's been swinging too much, and yes, he's been reaching too much. But I do think that he's the kind of guy that'll reach less and swing less when he's going well. You know, mm-hmm. I just saw him take a four pitch walk in the ninth or eighth inning of today's game uh, because they were frightened silly of him.
0: And they should and be. And
1: everything should. was just way far out. You know, he, he may not. He's kind of like Chris Davis, the other Chris Davis, where I don't think either of them has great natural command of the strike zone. But when people are afraid of them, they know what's happening. And
0: they can lay <laughs> exactly. They can lay off. And, and be smart. Yeah. By the way, someone tweeted yesterday. It was really funny that soon it's we're going to say Chris Davis with a C and, and, and that <laughs> the Chris Davis with a K is going to be the guy that you're talking about more. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's necessarily going to play out that way, but I love this power that, that we're getting out of Chris Davis. And by the way, what I really like is that it's almost a cascade effect where his prowess is going to make one of your other picks come out to oh. fruition because I think he about buried Sean Tollison as closer now and I know we mentioned oh. Sam Dyson briefly earlier but again I know we've been saying it a lot and ho- hopefully a lot of you already have him on your team if you don't and he's still available get him on your team he's going to be the closer there and if you if he's already gone and you want a spec what about oh, Matt Bush as a spec
1: yeah I mean he's got the velocity and 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 um, what's his face is, uh uh Strikeout rate, Dyson's strikeout rate's down a little bit, but you know, I just um, in order for these things to happen and for the velocity to become relevant, there has to be some some fire, and so we will have to watch Dyson and and see if he if he messes up first. I mean, he has to mess up first to lose the job, right? So, and the nice thing about having basically Zach Britton sinker is that
0: you don't uh, need strikeouts as much.
1: Yeah, he's gonna have like a sixty percent ground ball rate and not going to give up homers. Homers are like, that's how you lose your job.
0: About, you know, yeah. Especially like, as a closer, They're just so DRA,
1: but he didn't lose it until he gave up the grand slam homer. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that Dyson's fairly safe and, 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 you know, looking back at our, at our, uh, at our, we've talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but if you look back at our bullpen report, which, you know, yes. Okay. Maybe, um, we shouldn't have Ryan Madsen in yellow. Well, if we take Ryan Madsen out of yellow, there are only one, two, three, four yellow light situations and three red light situations being Singrani, Jepsen, and Dyson. If you want to keep them in red, I think that's way below average. And some of the yellow situations, Jake McGee, I don't agree. He's necessarily Cause yellow
0: because who's going to take it for one. And I don't yeah I'm with, I'm with you i don't agree with that
1: and jenmar gomez at this point you know maybe he's kind of like teal or something i mean he's like <laughs> you know some sort of uh some sort of thing on his own where you know yes the velocity is one of the worst for closers uh, and yes the strikeout rate is you know second worst among closers but he's also not like a terrible pitcher so it's not like a joe borowski situation it's uh you know, he's a three-pitch guy with a, with a good grounder rate. Uh, it's the National League. I don't know. I, I, I Okay, maybe we can keep him yellow, but it's not – doesn't seem like a, a Tullison thing where it's just about to happen. And,
0: exactly. You
1: know, the Jepsen thing is a temporary thing anyway. Uh, and Trevor May, you know, is having his troubles now. Uh, Singrani, the Reds bullpen is like the bullpen just to just not take part in, I think.
0: I, I totally agree.
1: There are bullpens like that. The Braves one, if Vizcaino wasn't a good, a good pitcher, the Braves one would be probably another one where you just say, you know what, you guys are going to have 20 saves on the year. I don't want to <laughs> I don't work care about
0: right. getting them and taking the risk <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, I totally agree with you. By the way, we can't help ourselves. I tell you it's going to be an all-hitting episode, and we devolve yeah. on, on, on <laughs> some starters and closers. Let's get back to the hitters. This one was another uh, Twitter request. Wilson Ramos uh, listen, he's having a great year and paired with the fact that catcher has been anemic this year. So it's really standing out to me. Four homers, 14 ribbies, 340 average, 900 OPS, you know, kind of hidden there. Not there's There used to be a lot of like uh, sleeper love for Wilson Ramos. I, I know I shared in some of it, and he would just always be this guy who, you know, you know, he's shown some good things in a bunch of half seasons if he can just stay healthy. We stayed healthy last year, and it really wasn't that inspiring. It was 15 homers, 68 ribbies, which were, you know, passable, but then a 229 average, which basically canceled out the value of that power. This year, things are getting on track. Walk rate's up a little bit, but strikeout rate is way down, from 20% last year to 14% this year for Wilson Ramos. And that's probably been the catalyst for things to to be clicking for him, because he's always had a measure of power, and now he's kind of recaptured it after a couple of down years. He's back toward uh, his 2013 level when he had a 199 ISO. This year he's up at 184. What are you seeing out of a 28-year-old Wilson Ramos, and are you buying it?
1: it's that it's that lasik surgery i guess right i mean that's that's the story um and uh i guess i've been a little I, I've, I've been a little bit uh sort of uh skeptical i guess because you know dude's 28 we've 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 played this game with him before
0: yeah i mean we're talking and... eighteen eighteen hundred 1800 plate appearances uh just about coming into this year with a 95 WRC plus and a 155 ISO, you know, there's some injuries. There's, there's some things that have been there to kind of give him a little bit of a pass, but at the same time I'm torn yeah, though, because like I said, I've had some love for him in the past and catchers can kind of bust through a little bit later, but I, I, I like it though, because catcher's been so bad. That's why I'm in. That's a main reason I'm in is because catcher has been so awful this year that it's hard not to jump on anybody doing a little something, even a clown like Chris Herman, who, you know, most people didn't even know coming into this year, he's doing a little something for Arizona and you almost got to pick him up in a two catcher league. So Wilson Ramos, I think can sustain even in a one catcher well, league.
1: Yeah, we need to go past that. And I think, you know, the LASIK gives us a story. The contact rate gives us a, you know, a reason to believe not necessarily a three forty average, but to take the over on his, on his rest of season batting average. Mm-hmm. Know, the rest of season projections go to that 890, 1,890 plate appearances of 262 batting average, of course. But they don't know about the LASIK, and they don't know necessarily that maybe the strikeout rate will will hold and it'll be the best of his career. If that strikeout rate holds, then we're talking more like a 280 batting average, yeah, I think. I agree. Um, and so then we're talking about a 280 batting average, uh, maybe like a 320 type on-base percentage. Uh, he's walked more in the past too, so you know that could that could come around. But let's let's be sort of pie in the sky. Two eighty, three twenty, um, and you know, maybe another twelve homers.
0: Okay. So like a four um, thirty?
1: What's a four uh, thirty? Oh four thirty, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's a little bit over his head there, but uh that's it's mostly all all of those numbers are inflated from the left. It's that 340 batting average is pushing all those numbers up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ISO at, at 184, uh, I think if I give him, you know, like, you know, another 12 homers for the rest of the year, I think I'm giving him kind of like a 160 ISO, 170. So basically saying his power will hold.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, and so, yeah, so, uh, uh, so we're talking about uh, – let's go back to batting average 5 by 5 Most people play that. Uh, 280. Uh, 12 more homers um, The would you rather game that's being played with me uh, and should we, we should have, I feel like we should have like a would you rather noise But I don't know what it is So uh,
0: Maybe we, maybe you can uh, but that, Actually the Dear Mixer Fantasy podcast <laughs> they, they use that They use that um, actual title Would you rather And the name game was used by the ESPN Fantasy So we just got to come up with a different name It's all the same game But we just got to come up with a different name Right, right. And so if you well, guys have ideas for names, where we do our little thing, it's 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 you know it's basically a copy of the name game because it's a viable. Like, uh, we're not just trying to bite everybody else's stuff. It's just a great way to kind of analyze where we're at in the market with these players. And oh, so, maybe
1: we should maybe we should steal from uh, beer graphs because I'm I'm allowed to do that. I was gonna
0: say the Joker's over there wouldn't care.
1: <laughs>
0: I know the guy. But we, have
1: a, we have a great uh, we have a great podcast on on BeerGraphs. Um, called, uh, it's basically, it's called drinking with shirt because, uh, my buddy JR shirt, uh, does the drinking, but the, the actual thing that he does is called beer sport and, uh, it comes from blood sport. Yes. So, um, we should just, uh, call it blood sport.
0: Okay. And,
1: uh, I don't know. I don't, it needs to play off of that. We, we need to play with this a little bit. Twitter, but, uh,
0: help uh, us Twitter out at, you with at sport. If you got ideas. Um,
1: you know what's it what's it called? They they have the arena they enter and that's what I for. was
0: thinking when you, like the Thunderdome basically, and only one only one can uh, only yeah. one, one will be left standing here. So who are some of these catchers?
1: Ooh, so little maybe a little, little Highlander. There can be only one. Yes. Oh, I like that one. I think that. There, so okay, let's do it. There can be only one. There can be only yes, Manny Grandal, Wilson Ramos. There can be
0: only one. Man, I love Grandal, and I've been backing him for for years, going back to even San Diego. Uh, pre-PED and I you know even got back on the train post-PED but the guy just the the injuries worry me too he he can't stay healthy and that's I know that's a workplace hazard of being catcher but I'm gonna go Ramos here I think
1: yeah and he is hitting everything straight up in the air Jesus
0: Mm mm-hmm What's up with that? I, I I honestly I don't know, and there's just times that Grandal can look so lost, and then when he's dialed in, it's like oh my god, switch hitting catcher just beasting out of his mind, all right, all and, right. and so it's back and forth. But the 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 thing usually when he's when he's struggling, it's injury. So I'm wondering if he's fighting through an injury again, and that yeah that concerns and it's me.
1: Even, it's so weird that he has a better contact rate than Wilson Ramos, but way worse strikeout rate, like mm-hmm. 10% worse. So. I mean, I, I'm going to go with a strikeout right here. And, and uh, you know, the larger body of Grandel's career has been a little bit underwhelming. If you're OBP, I think you, you can safely go to the Grandel.
0: Agreed. Uh, and that's usually yeah. where I get Grandel. And so maybe that's why I still have love for him. But uh, standard leagues, I'm going Ramos. Yeah, I go Ramos. Who
1: else? Yeah. Who
0: else? What about, else? Um, what about Jan Gomes? about He's been struggling. Jan Gomes, and this is a guy now who has, you know, the breakout year. Uh, the, he had the little preview in 2013, then the breakout <laughs> fully in 2014, and Ramos. then injury riddled last year. And then, Ramos, Ramos. Okay, yeah, because I mean, we got six bombs out of Gomes, but that's but literally Gomes it.
1: Is, yeah, and Gomes is never, you know, Gomes was not supposed to have the con- not supposed to have the strikeout rate he had in his breakout year. Agreed, I and mean, that was the big outlier there. And now he's he's now had three seasons where the strikeout rate's been worse, um, and the batting average has gotten successively worse. So um, yeah, I mean he's okay for the power, but uh, you know I, I think that Ramos we're, we're talking about Ramos ending the season with like 16 homers, and the projections for Gomes are to end the season with 18 homers, and you know the, you know we know the batting average difference is going to make up for that difference. So yeah, exactly. definitely Ramos. I, and and uh, you know I guess. Uh, if we're going to take credit for, for Scope and, and Dyson, then uh, sorry we weren't on Ramos before. You know, Ramos to me just uh, – maybe the, the thing that I should remember sometimes is um, boring boring sometimes. You know, boring is good sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, – I remember – I just remember when Wilson Ramos was the fun new toy. Yes. And um, when I felt so smart for picking him up for those 16 homers <laughs> in 2013. Yep. And, uh, when, you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I got burned by Ramos, but I just felt like every year was a little bit worse and a little bit less exciting. And then he just sort of, the, the, it wore off, but you know, even his preseason projections, which ha- you know, his rest of season projections probably haven't moved that much from them. A preseason project. Oh, I have the preseason projections. I have to press the projections tab you and on. then they come up yeah. and the preseason projection for him, uh, 250 with 14 homers. I mean, that puts him right in the mix with all of the other ones. So if, he should have been mentioned in our, you know, what do I do at the end of the draft when, you know, I have to pick a catcher. He should have been in there with Grandal and Mazzarocco. You're
0: right. We should have given him more yeah. love, Wilson Ramos. And, and Wilson, been, we're sorry. Have, yeah, Wilson, I'm sorry. We're really, We're really, really sorry about that. So uh, oh, let me give you one more name because this was a guy, you know, awesome year last year but honestly it was really a tale of two halves where steven Vogt was amazing to start and then injuries really ate him up and really cut that honestly kind of like a grand situation those two were probably the top two catchers going or maybe uh two and three behind posey for a large majority of the year then injuries really just crushed the end of the uh the end of their seasons and kind of modified uh, or um really really cut off their their bottom line numbers so it didn't really look like the big breakout that they were. Um, and so far this year, 31-year-old vote, he's been all right. Three homers, only seven ribbies, though. I mean, that's tough because he, he doesn't usually bat kind of middle of the order. Uh, but a 649 OPS is actually worse than anything we've seen out of him. I wonder if he's still ailing as well. I think I'm going Ramos here pretty easily, but this is a decent name that I think a lot of people are holding on to. So I think he's worthy of bringing up. What do you think of Steven vote?
1: Yeah, you know, and and uh, even though it's Highlander and it's a sort of one-on-one <laughs> sport, I think that you know if we were going to rank our our potential Highlanders going in um, or coming out of this, I think I would actually probably put vote ahead of some of the other guys, like ahead of um, you know if I don't put him ahead of Ramos, it's because Ramos is kind of showing some breakout ability, uh, but I would put I would put vote ahead of uh, Jan Gomes and ahead of. Uh, I think Rasmani Grandal in batting average leagues because, again, the contact rate is superior, the, bat, the, the strikeout rate is superior, the recent batting averages are superior, uh, the power is not that far off, and I think you look away from ISO for vote because ISO is bad in small samples, and you look at the ground ball-fly ball mix is about the same, uh, and he's been an above-average power guy since uh, high A. Mm-hmm. you know, So, this would be the first time he was below average in ISO since uh, 2009. So I, I think we can believe that there's more power coming. It may come in, in weird stretches. So you may be a guy you just have to plug in and, and trust. Um, but he's also he's also played with his, uh, his patience, aggression. Uh, you know, you've seen some years where he doesn't have a good walk rate at all and then other years where he has a good walk rate. And he's done that on purpose. Like he told me, that his break, big breakout year in AAA came because someone told him he wasn't going to walk his way onto the race, which is a really weird thing to hear, but I guess apparently a coach told him that. So he, he tried to show them, I can be powerful, I can be aggressive, uh, I can I can do it in multiple ways. So, um, you know, I think he does play with that sort of patience and aggression. He's a catcher. You know what I mean? He's, 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 he's playing mind games.
0: Absolutely. He's,
1: he's right there with them. So uh, I trust him. He's not too old at 31 is old but it's not too old uh it's not it's not time for it it all to fall apart it and it doesn't look like it's all falling apart he's he's making good contact and uh you know he's gonna have a a two homer game soon and you know i believe in steven vote i
0: (laughs) I like it okay i'm i'm with you on gomes vote ahead of gomes but i'm i think i'm sticking with grandal they're both a little.
1: Uh, Ceiling is definitely higher for Grindel, younger, more power potential. But injuries yeah. are,
0: are are really the key driver for both those guys, and if they're healthy, I think they're actually pretty darn close, and I ranked them as such coming into this year. Uh, next guy up is is an interesting one. He just came back, Cam Maben from my Detroit Tigers out there with the whites with the white cleats, looking fly in center field. I'm loving it. Um, you know. Nothing to really go off of numbers wise. So this is more of a, you know, assess what he did last year. It was kind of a solid season. Uh, finally stayed healthy for the first time in a little while, first time in three years. Obviously didn't do that this year because he started the season on the DL. He's got three games under his belt. Again, not concerned with the numbers that he's doing, but how good do you think he can be this year when we're talking about Cam Mabin? who's been in this past, you know, little chip in of power but mostly speed, but now he's on a team that doesn't really run and then conversely, he's already two he's already two for 2 out of the gate. So they don't run as a team, but it looks like they're letting Cam Maven run.
1: Yeah, I mean I am going to defer to you. You watch more often. I mean, uh did he start against a lefty uh coming back because Anthony Goes seems like he's on the down and outs there and he I is wonder
0: working his way out of there is is um, is ghosts and because you know they when they had Stephen Moya up they were putting they were putting in um, Upton in center and it's That's only been right. it's That's only been righties that that the Tigers have faced since he's come back so he's been playing against right-handers it's been Alasco Hughes and Barrios. So he's yeah he, we haven't had we haven't seen him but but Maven isn't righty so he he's going to play against the the lefties for sure the fact that he's been going up against righties I think speaks well for the playing time that he's going to get I honestly think Ghost has kind of really been put to the back burner right now because they even want to give Stephen Moya a chance it wasn't Ghost sent out and so he, he's he's going to be oh my God off the radar right now it's really Moya that we're oh, looking at geez. here as a potential platoon. Do
1: you know how hard AL only is? My God. <laughs> I'm in a 12-team AL only league. You know what happened today? I got a second closer. I did a little dance. You know what happened today? You lost. I realized that Anthony Gose is in A <laughs> and I need an outfielder.
0: Oh, yeah, he man. was sent out. And so it's Moya. That we have to keep an eye on in terms of the playing time with Mabin. But Mabin has the edge of being a good defensive center fielder, and I don't know how much they really want to put Justin Upton out there. I think uh, Upton can hack it and at least fake it, but. You know, it'd be easier to fake if they had some 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 love on the corners that that could protect him. But the fact of the matter is, JD Martinez not known for his defense. has a good arm, but but that's it really. And then Stephen Moya has had some troubling times already, even in just five games out there in left field. So I think Maven's going to get some PT. And if you need speed, I think you got to go out and get him in just about every league format. Yes, maybe even ten teamers if you have the right guy to cut. Um, and and speed is a primary need. If speed's more of a luxury, then 10 10 teamers. No, but I think anything else where you can use 20 stolen bases the rest of the year, I think Cameron Mabin's going to get that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh it goes, it's, it's weird. I mean, the walk rate was fine. The, the strikeout rate was bad, but you know, he's, his contact rate was the same. As you know, he's hitting for some power. Yeah,
0: I've had trouble figuring him out, and his defense has waned as well. Uh, goes as has because he would he would go through spells last year where he looked like a great defender. I thought he was pretty good defender yeah. in in Toronto, and that's one thing I liked about that. And I
1: thought that would keep him on the field against at least against left, I mean against Green? righties.
0: I and... thought so too, but they want they want to see what Steven Moya can do. He's been a guy that they've been you know he's been kind of one of their best prospects for a oh. while, and if they can if he can bring that lefty punch, that's what that's that's where the advantage is for uh, Moya is that he's not only a lefty like Ghost, but has the punch. And if they can get that lefty punch in the middle-ish of the lineup, not necessarily the middle because he's not going to be batting, you know, six, seven is where Moya is going to have the best chance to bat. I think that, that that's what they want is, is the lefty with some actual pop, not more of a slap lefty. So I, I'm i out there trying to get Mabin at this point. I understand that there's a, a perennial and a consistent health risk. Like I said, we've already seen an injury this year. But if you need that speed, I think you got to get him on your team.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, the, the thing that I wanted to say about Moya is that this is – I mean, this could be the same story as goes. He could be good for a little bit and then you know, fall off because he's a guy who doesn't make a lot of contact, you mm-hmm. know. And he's, you know, he's projected by Zips to have a 35% strikeout rate and a 3% walk rate. So, you know, this could get ugly pretty in a hurry with him too. And I know he was hitting 310, but if you look at Moya, he's just a big, big, tall, six seven two sixty listed. I mean, uh, that's listed. You never even know with these things. So he just looks all of that, and I just feel like there's a lot of holes in a a swing that big. There are
0: there definitely yeah. are and that's been And des- he's
1: not a Richie Sexton where he's going to like 10% walk 30% strikeout rate i mean it might be 5% walk and 30% 5 5 and 30 rates.
0: that's what it was last year but he cut into the strikeout rate this year at triple a and i think that that's what earned moya his chance through 31 games with toledo he was down to 22% uh which is actually looking at it i think the best of any minor league stop that he had where he got substantial yeah. playing time so they that's, believed that's in some of these that's changes that's here that's, they wanted so. to give him a look sorry what was that
1: is best across the board, so yeah. I mean, uh, for Moya, it's the best strikeout rate he's ever had, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. I think, uh, but but still, it could go south and that could reopen things up. Maybe also gets injured fairly often. I think he's a definite, uh, ale only play. If if he slept between if he slept between the cracks,
0: if he slept between the cracks, he fell asleep right in uh, the cracks.
1: He just, uh, then I think, uh yeah, I, you know, I think he could even beat his projections on the speed if he's healthy. Um, you know, he's already he's already stolen two bases. So
0: yeah, they're letting um, him run, and that's a team that doesn't really run in Detroit. And so, but they let the guys that they think can do it actually go ahead and do it. So I think that bodes well already for him. It's
1: hard for me to pick a favorite though. I mean, it's really like it could go it could go in so many different ways. It could, could turn into a Moya Maven platoon, um, that's,
0: basically. That's what I would look out for.
1: And that would be the bad thing for Maven. Uh, So you really have to watch the lineups against righties uh, and and track that if you're talking about. But this is, I think, all AL only talk, really. I don't think there's anybody here that we're talking about right now. I mean, other than Justin Upton, that's, uh, you know, 12, 15 team league. Maybe if Mabin shows that he's like starting all the time, then he can be sort of a 15 team league guy. I'd
0: be proactive, though, in 15 teamers personally. And if I I need that speed, I'm going to go ahead and grab Mabin now because – You know, the two stolen bases already. if he has another, you know, if he has a big weekend and by Sunday night when we're doing pickups has five stolen bases and is hitting the ball because, you know, he is four for his first six. Again, that's not that but that's going to jump off the page when you even when you're looking at the small sample, oh, he's already hitting and he's stealing bases. So if he's hitting like 400 with five stolen bases through his first 10 games. I think that that's going to jump off the page to people and they're going to they're going to make the pickup so you won't have the benefit of actually waiting. So I'm going to be aggressive with with maybe in a 15 team league, maybe even in a 12 team, 10 team again, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to have the right guy to cut because that could be too risky. You could be Why? cutting too good of a player.
1: Why is Josh Butleridge playing playing again? Josh
0: Butlidge, I do not understand. There are certain guys that will Forever, just keep getting opportunities as as utility. They're usually utility infielder types, and that's exactly what Rutledge is. I don't get it. You're telling me that Boston doesn't have enough guys. And here's the thing: he's actually hitting well, so so credit to him. But it's not going to last. Getting
1: starts. He, didn't start. he got a start at third and a start at second. Okay, so he's their new Holt. But where's what's Holt doing?
0: Is he in the outfield? No, it's uh, Betts, Bradley, and.
1: What the is Holt doing?
0: Who am I forgetting in the outfield?
1: Holt is back in the lineup for a doubleheader. Holt,
0: Holt, Holt plays left, okay. right?
1: Holt's not playing. Oh, is Holt a starter?
0: Yeah, Holt's the left fielder.
1: Okay, that's what's going on. He's the new Holt. Yeah, there you go. He's starting left field. So
0: yeah, but- Butledge is the new Holt. So, oh, that's
1: interesting. I mean, it's uh, he's eligible everywhere.
0: But Rutledge is? Yeah. Yeah, so so I mean he, he literally is the new Holt because of because of his eligibility. He earned the name Buttledge for me um because I just I kept I kept falling for him in, in Coors, you know, let, uh, hoping that Coors would would make him good and fantasy viable and it didn't work. So that if your name has anything that rhymes with Bud in it, I'm a 12-year-old and so that that's how I came up with that very creative nickname for Josh Rutledge. You can tell him that if you ever see him in the No, I'm just kidding. You you probably shouldn't.
1: <laughs> I won't tell him that.
0: I'm just saying you could. All right, you know, now we're going to get into your, uh, your the, the the change from this week, and it was it's Grounder Day, and uh, I lo- I really liked your open. I, I mentioned it at the open of this show about how you you know you offered up some some beer that you could drink for Grounder Day. You don't want to mess with that ugly ground beef. Quick on the picture, guys, if you want to be grossed out. But uh, you hmm. talked about first off, I love that you reiterated that stabilization points are not some magic day where everything is is quote unquote real. What it means is that we're at a point where you can look back and say there's some viability to this. doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be that way going forward, but you can put a little bit of weight into what we've seen. And we're nearing that point for ground ball rate, and uh, a few guys have already hit that mark, and everyone else is obviously rapidly approaching it. And like you said in the piece, you know every day we have more usefulness than we had the day before. And so there's some guys I really want to talk about. On both ends guys that have really cut into their ground ball rate and a few guys that have added to their ground ball rate And I want to know if it's if it's trouble for them because it's actually two power hitters That we're going to talk on but let's first talk about the two droppers This is somebody we talked about a little bit recently. Yasmani Tomas We've given a little bit of a mea culpa because we we smashed him after Um after spring training last year because we just really didn't like what we saw it was bad body It was just bad bad actions. No, nothing was good out there There was no athleticism to it when we saw him and we saw him like three games and and, and then it, it kind of carried over into April. It just wasn't looking good. And honestly, it wasn't that good last year. We felt I felt good about what we said in terms of it played out that way. But this year, we've, we've seen some changes. His first year's under his belt now, um, and I think there have been some viable changes. Walk rate has actually doubled. Strikeout rate has been cut by six percentage points. He's already got five homers in 35 games. He had nine in 118 last year, did Yasmani Tomas. And one of the key changes that we're seeing in his batted ball profile is with the ground ball rate. And he's really cut into it, 55% last year to 46% this year. Now, it's still not necessarily in all formats you know, mixed league outfield stud, but it's definitely better than we gave him credit for. I've definitely changed my tune and, and I'm I'm more open to him. I've even used him in DFS a few different times when I didn't even give him a second look last year. What's up with Yasmani Tomas and how much of this ground ball change uh can facilitate what what he's been doing going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny, I it's just a mea culpa like uh a- you know, I feel uh, I feel bad that it that I missed so badly on him, but he just he did look that bad. He, he changed
0: just, though too. He
1: looked, yeah, he changed. He I mean he he worked on his body, and I think that's been a, a little part of it. Um, you know, that's part. I think maybe we underestimated his ability to just hit the ball hard when he made contact. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that great Babbitt last year, and he's he's sort of doing it again. And if you look at his exit velocity, they, you know out of this year. Uh, four out of seven weeks have been a 95 plus um and one of the other ones was 92 uh, so that's that's good i mean 95 plus if you hit 95 and in the uh right in the right uh, angle band for homers it's a homer so um and then you know 95 in the line drive thing you're hitting like 400 500 so uh that's how you get those, those plus bababs and uh, and in this way actually not he may want to not you know hit too many more fly balls because right now he's he's probably in that line drive angle um, and uh, and taking the most advantage of of, uh, of you know balls in play. Uh, I will say the the plate discipline numbers got better for like a second and they're bad as ever now. I mean he he really does not have a good sense of the zone and he can maybe you know get out of that by being aggressive. Um, mm. and, and selectively patient, but they really just they went right back to where they were before. Yeah, I
0: didn't notice that the swinging strike rate is is, is probably saying that, that that the strikeout rate gains are a bit fraudulent because he's at sixteen yeah. percent with the swinging strike rate, which you know kind of marries with the twenty six percent strikeout rate last year, as opposed to the twenty we're seeing this year. Yeah. So I agree so, with you. So there's gonna be more strikeouts going forward. I bet.
1: I'll give him that plus Babbitt though. So the, the projection I liked Steamer has three thirty Babbitt going forward. Uh, that's a nice that's a nice babbit for him. You know, it could even be a little bit higher, but that's good. Steamer also has a 23.8 percent strikeout rate and a 270 batting average. So those those things all feel good. I think they're all missing on the power. Um, I think this is a, a, a real renaissance for him and and uh, a renaissance. Um, and uh, you know, I'll take the over on the power numbers for those guys. Uh, I, I think he'll hit 20 homers this year. Okay. I think he'll hit two, you know two seventy with tw- you know another 15 homers. And end the year uh, basically, a, you know, like a 280, 285 with twenty plus homers, and and B. That's useful. Uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard for me to sort of just do this right now, but I think that's probably top five third baseman, maybe top seven.
0: That's pretty darn useful and a hell of a lot better than we gave him credit for um, last year for Yasmani Tomas. Now he has um, qualification at third base everywhere, right? Let me let me check what he did last year. He played thirty one games. Yeah, so he's any league that you're in. Unless you have some crazy rules where you need, like, 40 games. But, no, he should be a third baseman everywhere. Hey,
1: let's, rank. let's rank. I mean, Machado's going to be ahead of going to be ahead of him. Arenado's Arenado, Donaldson. Bryant's going to be ahead of him. Donaldson, of him. Donaldson so that's four. I think Frazier. Uh, yeah, Frazier will get there five. Beltre looks pretty healthy.
0: Murphy. Uh, think,
1: six. He's probably seven.
0: What about um, him versus Travis Shaw?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I kind of I, – I feel like there's more of a fall-off possible for, for Shaw. Okay. Uh, I mean the BABIP is way higher, and uh, the power that he's showing right now is very specific to home situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like yeah, we, we highlighted
0: about, that sharp yeah. home-road split for Travis Shaw. Kyle Seeger?
1: Seeger's so, uh, turned it on and you know probably should get to 25 homers. Agreed.
0: What about teammate Jake um, Lamb?
1: Yeah, that's the big uh, the big Highlander debate right there. Um, I like Lamb's play discipline better. I like his contact rate better. I think he'll uh, – he is, he's is an exit velocity darling himself. So, you know, in terms of Babbitt, I don't know why he should be that far away from, from, um, from Tomas. So the only thing I don't like is that he has the least played appearances of most of these guys, you know. Uh, he's, he definitely has lost some time here and there against lefties and um you know that makes me a little nervous but i i I take lamb just barely but i'll put them both in the top 10 okay and say they'll be pretty close to each other i mean Lamb's looking like this 274 batting average is pretty sustainable got six homers himself so why can't he get to 20 so you know i think i think they'll probably be like seven eight uh seven eight eight nine uh you know in the top 10 at the end of the year and they might uh push out like uh, surprise push outs by them would be like Evan Mongoria. Yep. Jinx. Uh, just kind of getting old. Um, what about you know? Michael
0: Franco who had a lot of. Uh, Franco has to buzz.
1: sort of turn it on because, you know, I, I think projections really have him, uh, you know, sussed really. I think, you know, he's going to, he's going to hit another, you know, 15, 16 homers, but, um, you know, is the batting average going to be better? We don't know. So, Matt Carpenter. Um, yeah. Frank, I think Frank will be right there with Lam and Tomas carpenter man see that's why that's the only reason why i didn't want to you know i can't give him top five with two eighty twenty. yeah and then it even gets hard sometimes to give him top uh 10 because there are a lot of good third base well players. that's the
0: thing honestly six through 12 to maybe even 15 could be you know decimals off if we're talking about yeah. like yeah. the uh the ml uh, the espn player rate or something like that so we say top 10 but you know, I can, I can make a case where I can get ten guys pretty easily and then have Tomas twelfth, but then the difference between eight and twelve is just not that much.
1: Carpenter's rest of season batting average and home run projection is almost exactly what I have for for Tomas, two seventy fifteen. So the the nose that gets him out in front is that he's way better play discipline, you know, uh, and should get more runs in RBI just by being at the top of a good lineup. Exactly. You know, and, and getting on base a lot more. So well Tomas
0: is in a good think, lineup though too.
1: I think yeah. But I guess so I don't but know he's if he's
0: not near the top.
1: Yeah he's not he's not up there at the top. So I think what you're what we're saying is that um, Lamb and Tomas are battling it out sort of 10, 11, 12 in there. Okay. Uh, and that, you know, Carps carps ahead of them. You know, the, the real names that that make it that um, that uh, are surprising to be behind them, I think is Evan Longoria. Um, you know, I guess you know Adrian Beltre, Michael Franco. It could go either way.
0: Anthony Rendon. Gonna have uh, to get gonna have to get on his horse to to,
1: to really turn it on. Yep. And the, the exit is still there for Rendon. Yeah, I
0: think he will personally, but he he needs to. I'm get not sure done. he'll hit
1: another 15 homers. Is the problem? You know, that's so, true. It could
0: be a batting average and and runs scored and RBI situation that takes him above. What about um? And he's on off-
1: Castellanos falling off. I mean, because as much as I wrote about how he improved his launch angle, um, you know, he went from 30% of his balls being in the ideal launch angles for homers and line drives to uh, this year about 45%. So he's definitely improved his launch angle uh, to take advantage of uh, hitting the ball hard. So, you know, even as that bandwidth comes down, I think the bat will come down to like 330 instead of like a 300. Um, And uh, that means that, he's going to regress, you know, a little bit differently than projections have him. I think that Castellanos is going to regress. Uh, well, actually, projections happen at 3.30 for Babbitt. That's interesting. But so projections for Castellanos are 2.75, uh, 15, basically. So a little bit better than than Tomas. Um, so, that, I mean, that's interesting. I think that's that's all a scrum. It's, you know, honestly, if you ask, if you're going to make us decide, we're going to, you know, tell you some names, but... That's all, you know, that's, that's where you can make your own bones too and just be like, no, no, I believe in this situation right here. So. Yeah,
0: because there's a lot of closeness there that you can kind of go with the personal preference situations uh, yeah. where you see fit. And if you're a Tomas Believer, I get it because, you know, this is a guy I had wrong. Uh, even even if he falls off the pace that he has, I had him as a guy who, you know, you're not touching anything but like an NL-only league. And, and the power that he has, as you mentioned, that that's the one carrying thing about Tomas is that even if the contact doesn't stay where it's at and it, and it continues to drop down, when he does make contact, it's going to be powerful. So we do like him there. Yeah. Uh, we cannot
1: do anything fast,
0: can uh, we? I was, I was honestly just going to mention that.
1: Wait, let's let's, let's do this next one fast. Okay. I got one thing to say about Linos Martín. And I want to say that not everyone should hit fewer ground balls. And I know he has an OK 160 ISO, but that's not really his game. I'm way past thinking that, you know, Leonis Martin is going to do much for me home run-wise. So, you know, I think that this new uh, batted ball profile is bad for him. It's bad for his BABIP. Uh, It's bad for his batting average. And he's not there to give you home runs. So, you know, if you're expecting Leonis Martin to go back to 275 with a new level of power... Uh, going forward, I would say, nope, uh, he's a deep league guy and that's about it.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about the two risers then because they are power guys. And obviously we don't want the ball on the ground too much, uh, too often with power guys. The first one's Randall Gritchick, who came in with a lot of hype this year. You know, kind of had a breakout last year injuries derailed it a little bit kept him to just 350 plate appearances but he put up 17 homers and you know another stat cast darling with his exit velocity but the one thing that worried everybody was whoa 31 percent strikeout rate he's brought that down the walks are up power's still there actually running more it's it's still a nice game even though we're only seeing a 223 average out of randall grichick what are you seeing out of the 24 year old outfielder for the cardinals
1: yeah i don't like this, I don't like it. I don't because he, yes, he's still averaging 95 miles an hour on the year, which is great. It's still he's still sort of an exit velocity type darling, but angle is just as important, really, as exit velocity. And he's really lost a lot of angle. I mean, he he's he, like I like I said in the piece, he's one of the the biggest droppers uh in terms of or the biggest rises in terms of ground ball rate. So. He went from 37% ground ball to 47% ground balls. Oh, man. And, you know, you can sting a lot of balls at defenders on the ground. And if you add in the fact that he's a pull guy, I mean, he's an extreme pull guy. Now you're talking about a guy who's just pulling it right to the first base. Well, unless he's not. He's a variety, So right to the third baseman, you know? And uh, that's going to make him shiftable. Uh, it, does, it, it, it takes a lot of ceiling off the top of his BABIP. And it basically says that I don't believe that First, I definitely don't believe anything better than his projections, which are for two fifty fifteen, 15 maybe five stolen bases. But, two, you know, two fifty fifteen in the outfield is uh, boring, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I would say that there's a possibility that those are a little bit aggressive given his new ground ball rate. Uh, and now we're talking about two fifty twelve, maybe. So then, you know, he repeats his 17 homers, but like in a full season and just, you know, just isn't as exciting anymore. So, uh I don't know that he's necessarily a hold in mixed leagues. I mean – definitely not in 12-teams leagues. I feel like there's got to be – you could go get Tomas, and instead of 250-15, you get 270-15. I think
0: someone will buy low, though, for Gritchick. So you don't. I don't think you have to cut him because five homers, three stolen bases, even with the bad batting average, I think if you offer him up in a trade somewhere, someone's going to see the improved walk rate, the improved strikeout rate, and, again, those counting numbers, and be willing to take him in a deal, even if you have to sell lower than you wanted to. I think it's better than cutting Gritchick, even if you want to get somebody like a Tomas. So I would entertain yeah. a trade market before I would flat-out cut him him that's for sure let's talk JD Martinez and then get out of here I wonder how much is changing for him being on this list over the last few days because it looks like he's starting to heat up a bit hit another triple today he's really stinging the ball even his outs are some of these loud outs is something that JD Martinez does a lot even when even when he makes an out it can be you know 95 miles an hour 400 feet but to the wrong part of of Comerica Park what do you see from him, and is there is there reasons for concern here? Is he going to get on track and, and and start chasing down mid-30s homers again?
1: Yeah, he's one of those ones where I kind of threw the numbers out of the window a little bit. And the the reason that I would be worried is because, you know, he's approaching some of the ground ball fly ball mix that he used to have uh, when he was bad. Oh, and, man. you know, you're always, you know, but you're always, like, really worried. I think you get you get worried about that sort of thing because you're like, Oh, what if he, his body is just like, no, like, you know, no, go back.
0: You know, I got like, go back to what I used to do.
1: Yeah, just sort of like shrinking back in, you know. So uh, I that's a little bit worrisome to me. But um, if you look at uh, ground ball fly ball mix, uh, instead of just looking at pure grounders, uh, it's not as worrisome because he had a 1.1 1. 1 in 2014 when he was so great, and it's 1.14 right now, mm-hmm. ground balls for fly balls. And the reason I didn't look at that was because line drives and fly balls, the other two parts of ground ball, fly ball, and sort of batted ball mix don't, you know, take longer to to stabilize. But, um, you know, you can throw that back in when you're sort of trying to analyze the guy and look at him. Uh, And I I would say that I'm not that worried about him. I think there's another way to look at that big change he's made, which is that he can make it again, you know, Uh, and that he – has it's taken for two full seasons before? That means he can take again, and I really like the way he he um, but he tries real hard in terms of I love the way he keeps a book and he mm-hmm. tries to stay on top All, of everybody always, you know and he, you know, he critiques himself after games and um and just really you know tries to uh tries to get the most out of his talent. I mean I, that's the kind of player I love. You know, I love the guys who, who realize how razor-thin you know, being in the major leagues is and totally how, how they really should try every single thing they can try uh, to be good.
0: I, I fully agree there, and I love it. And it's something that um, Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson talk about a lot on their show, about how you're getting a dynamic player. You're not always just getting a static you know, stratomatic card. These guys evolve, and I think he's on the high end of somebody who evolves because of what you're talking about, because of the way he he keeps a book and he's always trying to better himself. That's one of the things that I just I really like about J.D. Martinez's game. So even if he is kind of wavering toward so, some tendencies that aren't, you know going to suit him that well I think he'll make the adjustments to try to come out of it and and end up uh being better for it so I I'm still I'm still in on on JD Martinez for sure uh, I I'll, I'll admit to a little bit of bias there though he's one of my absolute favorite players and so if you want to take that with a grain of salt I get it but you can listen to Eno he's he's smarter than me anyway and he says that he's Wait, pro oh JD
1: <laughs> What's that? That was uh, that was great. That was a good finish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we, we nailed it well
1: my slump continues
0: that's all right that's all right uh, we're gonna get you back on track next week you're you're in a you're in a two for 20. So actually, you said you were two for twelve on on the court today. There was one okay. comment that said they didn't want to hear about your basketball exploits, but I like hearing about them. So I'm sorry to that person. They're going to continue. It's going to be like a couple minutes a week, may at most, at most. And and other people do like hearing our uh, basketball and softball exploits to hear how amazingly athletic we are. We're not just we're not just <laughs> nerds, you We're super athletes. No, just kidding.
1: Uh, we yoked. We're yoked we're completely. We yoked like Chris Davis. You should see us.
0: I'm yoked like Chris Davis with a kick. No, actually not. Maybe if I I was going to be closer to one, it's actually Chris Davis with a C only because he's tall, not (laughs) because I have any muscles anywhere near either of them. But, uh, you know, we got to get out of here. You have family coming in to hang out for the night, and so um, maybe they can take care of the sick kids while you you rest up and and get back on track because you're in a little bit of a slump right now. But you did not slump with the piece of uh, the change. I really like that. I will link it. Those of you who haven't read it yet. Get, step your game up and read it. It's, it's very useful. And uh, we'll be back next week, and I'll be back with Jason on Sunday. Until then, take care.
1: Yes, thanks for listening.